0: This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five-on-three.
1: That's right, everybody. We are back. The comeback podcast of the year is back for 2018, first episode of the new year. I am your host Matt Costantini. I'm joined by my regular line mates for now, Jackson Heil, and Nick Lehman. Guys, it's been a while. What's been going on?
2: Yeah, we went through a little hiatus during the uh, the Christmas break. So kind of like we had our right. own little
1: extended All Star break. <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. exactly.
2: I mean, it was almost like a, a month and a half All Star break for them. Almost two months, actually. I mean. I can't even remember when our last episode was yeah. at this point. But um I
1: mean a lot's happened since we <laughs> since we've been on this show. We had yeah. Winter Classic, you've had the All Star Game, you've had mm-hmm. a lot of crazy stuff going on. I mean, we could have like a three hour episode summarizing like what's happened
2: since since we uh recorded our last episode. Yeah, Definitely. pretty much. Exciting times await.
1: So even more exciting times ahead of us right now. I mean, the metro's in a crazy state as it's been all year. Um, we're gonna hit the locals as always. Um, special time for us this year, at least Olympic hockey to talk about. It's pretty exciting. Question mark? Maybe not. No, no. no. Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, listen, it's hockey, but like, is it really? Is it? Is it really hockey? Come on.
0: I mean, ugh, it, it's hard to determine that. We'll get into it later. Yeah, but and then it's upsetting. And then we're just sure. gonna. Get, 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 it also hurts with the time zone uh, change, like eleven hours, because yeah. now we're watching games either at ten at night or six in the morning. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's that's pretty awful because, of course, we want to watch the the games, but I'm not trying to wake up at seven a.m. on a Wednesday. day I don't have classes. So exactly. Let's not do that. Um, and then we're just gonna kind of take a look around the league, see what's been going on since we've been gone. Uh, what the landscape of the NHL looks like so let's just get right into it we're going to start with the New Jersey Devils who are finally looking like they're hitting that wall everyone expects them to be hitting sometime this season to be fair and especially for me being a fan I have to look at this very pragmatically we're a year ahead of schedule here we were not we were never supposed to contend for a playoff spot this year but here we are. Two ga- two points, three points out of being second place in the Metro. So that's pretty good, especially considering all these injuries we've been dealing with. I mean, mm-hmm. Corey Schneider hasn't played in nearly a month. Keith Kincaid has been doing a valiant job as the starting goaltender when he's been, for m- the most part, a backup his entire career. He's been doing what he can, but at the end of the day, he's still just a backup goalie. And, I mean, Taylor Hall missed a few games, but he's back now. Um, you're still missing Marcus Johansson, who unfortunately has a another concussion, suffered at the hands of Brad Marchand, who is now on a list somewhere for me. Not not the biggest Brad Marchand guy right now. I mean, who is? I have other people sure brilliant yeah. <laughs> Burroughs. But. Burroughs. Tom Wilson. Ne- never a fan of Tom Wilson.
2: They're out all on there. All right, wait,
0: yeah.
1: f- first. C- that Burroughs play was, like, That so
0: bizarre. weird. That like, was... I know. He just, I think he'd need him in the head about five times. Like, I don't, I don't even know if he, like, even realize, but like he was just going wild on him. Did
1: you he guys hear the explanation he gave to the was player like, safety? It was guys? the only way he could like get off of him. It's like it I that? couldn't get my arm free, yeah, so the only way I could get my arm free him was in the, in the head, head, in the head. Yeah, so he rightfully got 10, ten game suspension. And rightfully. honestly, if player safety wanted to go further, he could have gotten more. But for for now, I'm fine with ten. We're kind of just gonna let all that slide. Is is this the team that? We're going to see for the rest of the season. Well,
2: I mean, I think you have to hope not if you're a Devils fan, obviously. But listen, honestly, if to give my honest opinion here, I I don't see this as a playoff team, in my opinion. And listen, Corey Schneider coming back will help. He's still out for at least another week. But honestly, I don't think this team can score enough. I mean, Taylor Hall has been really the only source of production offensively in the last few weeks. He's got 50 he's got 50 something points in 57 points to 50, 57 50 right but mm-hmm. she he's he's a, he's a star in this league and then that that's something that you have to look for what the devils are really in a tough spot because johansson was supposed to be that guy who could give you 60 points a year he's out with an injury and he's been banged up all year
1: it's a second concussion
2: yep and paul mary got off to a slow start he's been a little better lately but of course i mean they, they i think that was the main problem with them coming into the season was was they be able to score enough and also defensively they had some question marks but they've been They've been so-so. The Columbus game was really kind of sad to watch for them. The Columbus game If you're, brutal, if you're, yes. if you're a I mean, double fan. I
1: mean, you can even look at back-to-back games. The Bruins game and the Columbus game were just brutal on a defensive side. I mean, at least they put up some goals in the Col- in the Boston game.
2: Yeah, but the, 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 the issues are abundant for them, and I think unless they get superb goaltending from Schneider down the stretch when he comes back, I, I don't see them hanging around with the Columbuses and even the Islanders of the world at this point in Carolina.
0: At this point, I'm looking in hindsight at the Henrik and trade and kind of questioning that, too. Henrik has been doing pretty decent for Anaheim. I know they've had their injuries. I know they're coming back in the West. But, you know, I think now looking at the production Adam henrique has been giving the Ducks that the Devils aren't getting right now, I think that's also something to think about, too. You know, that's
1: a really good point, and I've been following around Devils Twitter, all the, the fan accounts and the insider accounts, and a lot of fans like you aren't that happy right now looking at Henrik scoring goals out in Anaheim and and Vatten not really doing much. But if you look at the advanced metrics and looking at what Sammy Vattenen gives you on the defensive side, I mean, he's matched up with the opposing team's best player day in and day out. I mean, I'm I can remember games against like Pittsburgh he was mashed up against Sidney Crosby for what like 10 15 minutes of ice time mm-hmm. and Crosby got like four shots on net and that's kind of what you're looking for out of a guy like Sammy Vatten and he's a he's a i uh, to be fair you might be missing the production that Henriks giving you on the offensive side but going forward everyone knew that right now it might not look like a good trade but going forward it's the trade that had to be made Henrik just really had no place left on this team, and as much as that kills me to say it, because I love the guy, he was one of my favorite players while he was on the team, just the way the team was moving, he was no longer a fit.
2: Yeah, Matt, I think it hit it spot on there. I mean, that was a guy who needed a change of scenery, in my opinion. I mean, you had Hines playing him in the bottom six duties, so you he wasn't going to score at the rate he has with in Anaheim while he was here, if, if he was here, I should say, but... I think the move for Vatn and it's not just a move for this year. Clearly, I mean that that's a move that's driven for the next two or three years when the Devils are trying to compete and they got that top pair defenseman that they need of Vatn and I think he's done a good job. He hasn't really showed up much on the score sheet all that much, which I think Devils me Devils fans maybe expected a little more. But he moves the puck up the ice very well. He help he can help you on the power play. He's a guy that 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 that's going to be essential to their. Not rebuild, not rebuild. I guess because I think you'd call the rebuild over in a way. Now it's just tooling but up. It's just re- it's tooling for it's next finishing. year and trying to make a playoff run, whether it's this year or looking forward to next year. But in terms of the Devils, I think they're honestly in a really tough spot going to the deadline because oh yeah, absolutely. They're Definitely. not. They're not a team that Ray Shiro is going to be really conservative at this deadline because they don't have a lot of expiring contracts that they could sell off if they were looking to do that. And they they don't really have the prospects other than McLeod. They don't really have any guys in their system. And McLeod's not going anywhere. Exactly. He's not going to go anywhere. But they don't have the guys that can move to go out and get a big piece that would propel them over the top. Because you look at this team, they're clearly
0: not a Stanley Cup contender. So
2: it's almost where Shiro has to stay still at this deadline.
0: Mm -hmm. And you look for next year, essentially. I'd rather them be conservative this trade deadline and try and make that push for next year because yeah. you know with you know the Tampa Bay's and the Washington Capitals of this uh of the Eastern Conference you're not getting out of most likely the first round.
1: Yeah, I mean you never know what can happen in the NHL as far as playoffs of go. I mean, you look at it and you saw you saw Ottawa go on the crazy run they went on last year. Mm-hmm. But you hit it right on the head. With teams like Tampa Bay and and Boston and teams like all those in the East, let alone the teams that are in the Devils' own division, I just don't really see them doing much or being able to do much. And Raishiro knows that, like I said at the beginning, this is a year ahead of schedule, and he's really not going to do anything to impact the future of this team. I mean, he built that dynasty over in Pittsburgh. He knows what it takes to build a winner. And getting rid of important assets – at a trade deadline in a year where you know you're not going to win a cup is just not the way to do it. So, the next team up here, we're going to talk about these New York Islanders who are going back to the Coliseum starting next year. That was announced. Um, They're going to be splitting time between the Coliseum and the Barclays Center, which, thank God, hopefully it's more games at the Coliseum because watching a hockey game at Barclays Center is just one of the worst things I've ever experienced. But... This team, it's it's been the story all year. They can score with anybody. They can they can win a game. They can put up six goals in a game like it's nothing. When we've seen it between Tavares, Anders Lee, Matthew Barzal, uh Josh Bailey, one of the best offenses in the league. The defense and the goaltending has let this team down day in and day out, game after game, and it's what is event and I feel it's what's going to keep them out of the playoffs because right now going with Thomas Grice and Yaroslav Halak is just not going to get it done.
2: Yeah, and the, the big problem here with the Islanders, I, I think really it's a coaching thing, to be honest, because you look at the way this team plays when they have leave, it's it's the most conservative thing I've ever seen. I mean, when you have two two lines that can score the way they they, they can with Tavares, Bailey, Lee, and then Barzal, Eberle, and Bavillier, there's no reason to go into a conservative mode. And, I mean, you look at the game yesterday against Calgary, perfectly is, like, the epitome of what they've done all year. They go up 2-1 at the second intermission. Calgary comes out in just a firestorm against them. And the Islanders play dump and chase, basically, for the rest of
1: the game. And then on the other side of that coin, you can look at the game against Detroit, where they won, yep. what, 6-5, six, 6-something? Six, th- six th- four they, power they play goals four... in the
0: last ten minutes. Yeah,
1: they had four power play goals
2: on in one, power, one major, which, by the way, was a hideous call. I, I don't know how you call that a major. But yeah,
0: yeah. anyway,
2: I mean, you and then you look at the way they play 5-on-6. I mean, they, they might be the worst 5-on-6 team in hockey, and that's saying something With because the Rangers play the same, similar way, but at least they have Hendrick Lundqvist behind them. They they have Thomas Grice and Yaroslav Halak, who can't always save the day. So the issue with the Islanders, I, I really think they should sell at the deadline, to be honest. I, I understand maybe not making Tavares available. Johnny but, T., I, Josh Bailey could get you a serious haul with the way he's been playing this year, and you have a guy in Matt Barzell who can obviously replace that production next year. Easy. So th- that's something I would look for in the future.
0: Yeah, Barzell is an easy Calder candidate. I mean, very serious. Three five point games this year already. He had one the other night against Detroit, where that they scored those seven goals, four power play goals. I mean, the Islanders are. there're I feel like they give up too many shots all the time. They lead the league in shots given up. I mean, every night it's, you know, starting to go into the high 30s, 40s, even 50s. Yeah, they gave 42 to Calgary the other
2: night and exactly. a ton in the third period. And the biggest thing with them, I mean, Letty, Bo- Letty and Boychuk are supposed to be their shutdown pair. I mean, they got dominated by the back one for a leak and Kachuk line. I mean, to be fair,
1: night. Boychuk is just coming back from injury.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if you're, sup- you're going to have a shutdown line, especially with how bad defensively they are, they got to do the job, and I mean, they really cost them the game yesterday. I mean, you look at the two goals they allowed. Kachuk gets to the net so easily. The, se- the th- I'll give Kachuk a lot of credit on the second one. That was a ridiculous deflection. But the first one, it's just froleek dumps it. Frolic, yeah, I'm sorry, it, the puck's dumped in around the boards. froleek gets it in the corner, and Chuck and Letty are just watching Kachuk in front of the net, and he has an easy deflection. So that that's a problem for them, especially when those two aren't playing at the top of their game.
0: They're going to be a mess defensively. And they gotta keep the scoring production up if they're not gonna play defense. I mean, it goes back to having being so conservative when they have a lead. If you're not gonna play defense well, that means you have to keep pushing forward. You can't sit back, especially a team like the Islanders.
1: Do you think John Tavares gets traded?
0: No, no.
1: I I
2: think as much as I feel like I feel like it would be the smart move because you could get a haul back and you have a guy in Barzal who could be the star going forward. I I think Garth Snow has to take the chance. Because if you trade him, I don't think he's coming back. I, I, I think that's a foregone conclusion. Even though like it's only a rental, and he becomes a free agent after the year, it just it doesn't make any sense to trade him. I think if you're snow.
1: So. Moving on here to the to the last team in the in the metro area, the the New York Rangers. I said it in our season preview show that I thought this was the end of the era. This was the end of the window for this New York Rangers team, and it appears I was correct as the team president and general manager made a statement saying, "Look, we're we're about to get rid of some guys that have been here forever and." we're going to bring in some guys you might not know, and you're just going to have to be okay with that because we need to start building for our future. And what I think everyone understood that to mean was a lot of familiar faces such as Rick Nash, maybe Matt Zuccarello, or maybe Ryan McDonough are all about to get moved out of here. And it's the Rangers are in such a tough position because, I mean, we were talking about this before the show, they're only a couple points out of a wild card spot, but anyone who watches them, understands that they are just not a good enough team to actually do anything in the playoffs, which they're not accustomed to being, so they might as well just start selling off the pieces.
2: Yeah, and you you can only—I'll go to you in a sec, Nick, but you can only you can only sit on the back of a 36-year-old goaltender for so long. I mean, Lundquist has really been the only reason they've been in it. He's arguably—you can make a—, a- a decent argument that he's the MVP of the NHL this year, given the way that he's kept the Rangers in the playoff race when they just bleed 40 shots a game against. And listen, they're still getting chances at a high rate, but this is absolutely the right decision from Jeff Gordon.
0: In a way, the Rangers are kind of in the same position as the Islanders in terms of like, they, not that the Islanders are about to enter a rebuild, but I think the Rangers, it's imperative that they start their rebuild now because like the Islanders or the Devils, if they make it in the playoffs, most likely they're not going to be there for long. So why why continue uh, having these players when you can start working towards the future now instead of later? Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, this is the perfect time to do it because you have two
2: expiring contracts in Nash and Grabner who mm-hmm. could get you multiple first round picks in return. I mean, Nash is really highly regarded Definitely. around the league. He does it all. I mean, he can score. He kills penalties. He plays in all three zones. He gets a ton of high danger chances. And Grabner, I mean, the guy just continues to score twenty three goals now in the year. He kills penalties. They they're in they're not the same player in the way that Nash can take over a game, unlike Grabner, but they do have similar styles and they can play in all three zones and they can both score. So it's absolutely the right time to do this. The way I see it with Ryan McDonough is I think it's almost imperative to trade him because that's the biggest haul you're going to get back. I mean, he's He's arguably a top ten defenseman in this league, he has been one of the most impactful defensemen in this entire league, given how poorly the Rangers have played on the D end. But I think that the haul they're going to get back for him if they do trade him at this year's deadline is going to be really interesting.
0: Yes, definitely. I think that, yeah, pretty much what you said. They, the Rangers, just need to look towards the future. They can't like pretend that they're going to do something in the playoffs. The era is over. And you, you can't as – mu- as well as Lundquist has been playing, you can't rely on him for, you know, a deep playoff run. It, it's just – They've done it before. Yeah. So it's –
1: It's going to be very strange to see a Henrik Lundqvist-led team that's not competitive. It's going to be one of the first times in his entire career with the Rangers that he's going to be playing in a lost season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he reacts.
2: And the thing is, like you mentioned, they're only two points out of a playoff spot right now, which if they sell, there's no chance they're going to be in it really because, I mean, you move your top two goal scorers, your top defensemen, on top of the fact that you have Shattenkirk, Pucinevic, and Kreider all out injured right now, it could be an ugly run down the stretch, but as long as you have Henrik Lundqvist, the thing is, he's going to keep you in games. So, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're going to be completely out of it, because Lundqvist will find a way to make them competitive, but it's going to be an unaccustomed look for the Rangers, But although it's absolutely the right decision.
1: Well, it is officially Olympic hockey time here in the world of hockey, of course, um, but thanks to our fearless leader, Gary Bettman, there are no NHL players this year, which... <laughs> fearless leader, man. Yeah. Um, I-, I wouldn't even I use think... that sarcastically regarding him.
0: <laughs> not, not at all.
1: Um, it's it's really a shame because one of my... like A lot of the reason that I even watch the Winter Olympics is because of the hockey, and my roommates and I talk about it all the time. Where else will you ever be able to see a line of Denny of Malkin Oh, Alex Ovechkin and Vladimir Tarasenko, or Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and John Tavares, all play together <laughs> on one line. Yeah, you guys are laughing. That's real life. Yeah. It's that. It, I mean, you're not wrong
2: at all. And it, my my fi- one of my favorite moments from like my early. Hockey fandom was Parise's t- OT exactly what mm-hmm. sending the game exactly. the gold medal game into OT. Unfortunately, yeah. Sidney Crosby had other plans after that. But yes. then you look at twenty fourteen when TJ Oshie go, becomes mm-hmm. the American hero in the shootout. <Soshi. laughs> exactly, and goes five on Sergey Bobrovsky, seemed like four or five times. So it it's just it
0: it really sucks. It it really does. The thing, the thing I find funny about all of this is that the NHL says it wants to be a global brand. They're playing games That's in you really know Switzerland and uh, Germany next year, and here they are. They don't want to go to the Olympics. I mean, is there any bigger global stage to represent the NHL than the Olympics? I mean, that just makes zero sense.
1: I understand the NHL is a business, and had they gone with an Olympic break this year instead of an All Star break. This year where they had the All-Star Game in Tampa Bay and all the festivities and all the money they gained from that, but like you said, they want to be in a global sport, but they're not doing enough to make themselves a global sport. It just doesn't make sense. So games. So the men's games officially start this coming Wednesday. The women have already opened up. Congratulations to the U.S. women opening their... Winning their first game against Finland, 3-1. They're looking to avenge that really heartbreaking overtime loss to Canada in the 2014 games. So we're rooting for them out there. But now let's get... Kind of just get more into the teams and how we see it. Um, Like we were talking about, no NHL players kind of means that this is a wide-open competition. I mean... Everybody is kind of on an even playing field. Uh, I know I have my team I'm going to look for, and I'll, I'll start off right here. I think that the Russians are probably going to just steamroll through this entire competition because I, I understand that like teams like Canada and other places pulled from the KHL, but Russia has so many players from the KHL and so many ex-NHL players. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to read off some names here that could be a line in the NHL right now. Pavel Datsuk, Ilya Kovalchuk, Mikhail Gregoranko, uh, ex-Devil Sergei Kalinin, and as recently as this year, ex-Vegas Golden Knight, Vadim Shipachyov, who had some issues over there and decided to head back, so he's eligible. Yeah, and
2: don't forget G- Nikita Gusev as well, who's yeah. the one in, arguably their top prospect for Vegas. I mean, they have a ton mm-hmm. of players. Shes Yorkin and Sorokin, the two goalies, both Islander and Rangers prospects, they're both tremendous. I mean, th- th- I, it's pretty clear that they have the best team in the field, I think, and I, I do mm-hmm. think they're going to run away with things like you said.
1: So, Nick, who are you looking for in this competition?
0: I'm looking at the U.S. not to win, but I'm just looking at it because I, I think, as you said, this all, a lot of the teams are in the same boat. Like I think Canada and U.S. are kind of in the same boat because there's so many NHL players there. So, I mean, you have everyone from, like, Brian Gionta. Captain America. Yep. You have Brian Gionta in here, born in 79. And then you got, you know, 19-year-olds on this team as well who weren't even, you know, yep. born when players like him were in their prime. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's the same thing for Canada, too, in a way, with uh, I think Chris Kelly is their captain, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. So, I mean, you have all these older guys. Like, you have the leadership there still, but you, you have so many young players that – it's going to be an interesting mix to see. The U.S. has their first game against Slovenia uh, Wednesday. So I guess that's something to look forward to from the U.S., but I wouldn't expect them to medal this year. I mean, no disrespect to Brian Gianta. I mean,
2: he's he's made his way around the league and built a nice reputation for himself. I think he was the captain of the Sabres like in his last few years mm-hmm, and yeah. before mm-hmm. that Montreal. But is anyone really interested and watching team USA this year. Not really. Not really. Like, especially when you have the NHL going on right now. Right. There's a few players on USA that I do like. Troy Terry from from University of Denver is a really good player. And that that's a guy I'd really look at to watch. And again, there are some guys that maybe are Putting together NHL tryouts like Brian Gianta or James Wisniewski, who couldn't even get an offer to a training camp before the season started. Right. And
1: actually, going back to the whole Russia point, there's rumors Ilya Kovalchuk wants to come back. And at 33, 34 years old, he's kind of show. He wants to show the NHL teams, "Hey, I still got it. Give me a contract."
2: Yeah, I mean, he's rumored to want to come to New York too. via with the Rangers being the first choice and the Islanders the second. So go ahead,
1: you can have him. he will stab you in the back first <laughs> chance he gets.
2: Exactly. Listen, I mean, if he can score 30 goals for where he's still, I'll take him Jackson, at this who point. are you
1: looking at in this contest?
2: Finland's the team I want to look at, really, because although I don't think in terms of their actual team, they're all that great. They have two players, two prospects that I really like. Eadley Tolvanen, who was picked by the Predators in the late first round this year, who's absolutely ripped up the KHL and has been sensational scoring-wise. And Miro Heiskanen, third overall pick out of Dallas this year, too. Two guys who are teenagers that are going to be getting a lot of run in the Olympus. and I'm really interested to see how they, they face up against, again, it's not top caliber talent, but I want to see them play against older guys because this is the stage where you really get to see guys like that. And we'll, you'll get to Rasmus Down and in a moment who's going to be the number one overall consensus pick in this draft. But this is an opportunity for people in America to watch these guys on the big stage and especially Tolvenin who's really he's arguably been the best player in the KHL this year I mean that that's a guy I'm really looking forward to watching
1: yeah you you alluded to our our next point here talking about the Olympics is players to watch and you mentioned Erasmus Dallin the guy who is looking to become the number one overall pick in the 2018 NHL draft it's not often 18 year olds are given a chance to shine so brightly on a global stage and if he performs well and like everyone expects him to, I think that there is no way he does not get picked number one because if he is the best player on a Swedish team on a Swedish Olympic team that's at the Olympics, he's gonna be the best player in oh, this. Draft. I mean,
2: I think he could he could be the worst player on the ice and I still think he'd be the number one overall pick. I mean, he there's a clear there's a clear cutoff between Dallin and then the second tier of Sveshnikov, Philip Adina, Quinn, Hughes, Brady, Kachuk, all those guys. Listen, they're good players, but I, Dallin is he's not McDavid, but he's a transcending franchise-changing talent, who is a guy that we really haven't seen before in a draft.
1: So give me someone that you guys are looking for. Well,
2: I gave you mine. I'll I'll let Nick go, in a second. But Tolvanen and Heiskanen from
0: from Finland are the guys I'm really looking forward to watch. Well, seeing. Um the U.S. team, at least from from the team I looked at, I think looking at a guy like Jordan Greenway, 6'6", six six two twenty seven. That's a great forward, call right there.
1: I'm excited to watch it. I, I'm i, I lied. I'm excited to, to watch him play a
0: big forward like him play on a like a top two on line on the giant ice of the Olympics. <laughs> yes, yeah. that that's going to be fun. That, that, that's a fair point. Troy Terry is a guy I'm looking
2: for on Team USA. Really, who's who's probably going to be if he comes out as a free agent at some point is going to be a really popular commodity. But um, that's a guy I'm really looking forward to. So kind of
1: our our last point here about the Olympics. We were talking about it before the show started. I think that it would have been a much better idea as far as this year goes to kind of forego the World Junior Championships. I know a lot of people think that's heresy, and that's one of the the best parts of the hockey season for these junior players is watching the best in the world compete against each other. But why not let them play at the Olympics this year? Why have all these random players just come in and kind of show that hey we still got it. Let's let's go out there and show the world that we can still play instead of giving these really young kids the chance to shine on a national televised stage.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the, the World Juniors they do get televised, I mean, and they'll be at actual good times you could watch. I mean, True. they'll yeah. be at 7 Eastern time and play throughout the day instead of having to watch them at 11:30 at night. But I do agree with the point. I feel like it would have been better for the global stage essentially to put guys like the prospects that you want to see in that in that stage, because really, if you want to attract the NHL crowd, putting your team's prospects in there and NHL draft prospects for 2018 is that's the way to do it. And listen, there are some like I mentioned, Heiskanen, Dowen for next year, and you have Tolvanen as well for Finland. But it, it would it would have made a lot of sense, and it feels like it almost made too much sense to make this like a U21 type of tournament.
0: Yeah, I that's a great idea because I I know. Those young kids would, I think, thrive on that ne- international stage. I mean, granted, the times wouldn't be great, but you have them in pressure situations playing for your country in, in, a, in an even bigger level than just World Juniors. I mean, World Juniors is a big event, but the Olympics is just that much higher. So I think that would give teams even more of an insight to what their players and prospects could do.
1: So everyone here at 5-on-3, of course, rooting for U.S. men's hockey, U.S. women's hockey. Hopefully, at least as far as the men go, we can get Miracle on Ice 2.0 and, and we get a great moment built out of this Olympic season. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> we're, we're rooting for you. USA, USA all the way. Good luck, USA. Okay. So before we run out of time here, let's just take a quick zapper in the league. Give me, give me one team from each conference that you're looking at as, wow, they're either really good or they're really bad.
2: Well, here I'll start. i um, start with Winnipeg because, I mean, they they up and down their lineup, especially in terms of their forwards. I mean, they have players all over the ice. Shifley, Wheeler, treme- Blake Wheeler is probably the most underrated player in the NHL right now, in my opinion. And they they have a bunch of young young guys. Nikolai Ehlers has 21 goals as a 20 year old. I mean, that th- that's a really tremendous team that I think can do a lot of damage in the playoffs, and that's also a fit that I could see for Ryan McDonough as a potential trade partner, possibly under the radar. But in the East, I think you have to go with Toronto right now because that's a team that's really found their groove lately and also would be an interesting team to see if they would sell at the deadline noticing that they probably can't compete with Tampa or Boston at this point and maybe look to trade James Van Riemsdyk or a Tyler Bozak for a nice all. Just something to look out for. I'm not necessarily sure they do it, but that'd be something I'd look for in the coming weeks.
0: Okay, I'll start in the East. I'll go with Pittsburgh. They're on fire all of a sudden, 6-1-1. Yeah, Matt Murray's back, healthy, ready to go. And They're finally scoring goals. They're finally scoring goals, and Phil Kessel's really having pretty much a career year. Phil
1: Kessel and Evgeny Malkin might be some of the best players. Someone tell me how Phil
0: Kessel wasn't an All-Star this year. I can't figure that out. That's an absolute Phil Kessel remains
1: one of the most underrated players in the history of the NHL. I mean, going back to Olympic talk, he was snubbed from the 2014 team, snubbed from an All-Star team this year. When is Phil Kessel finally going to get his respect?
0: He's already won two Stanley Cups. I don't don't know. He's been been
2: dumbed as the coach killer since his— he was traded to Toronto, but That's true. He, he's truly had a tremendous year in Pittsburgh.
0: So what are you looking for out of the West? Out of the West? I'm looking at how bad Chicago has become down bottom of the Central and uh, you know, pretty much fourth from the bottom of the West. It's a m- kind of amazing to see how far they've fallen, and uh, I would say their ear is close to over two now. They're, I don't think they have any shot at the playoffs. They really don't. They're wrapped end. into way too many big contracts.
2: Yep. Seabrook, Keith. Yep. Ta- and Kane's still playing at a high level but same with Jonathan
1: Taze is taking a step back as well I'd be surprised <clears> if they don't become sellers at the deadline heavy sellers. looking at my teams I'm gonna go in the east I'm looking at the Boston Bruins they look like the best team in hockey over the past month ever since the turn of the new year I mean they've just been on fire Patrice Bergeron is looking like an MVP candidate as well as yep. a Selkie um, candidate he's, as he's always he's been awesome
2: that line of Pasternak Marchand and Bergeron Bergeron's probably the best uh, in the league Marchand
1: can, can go somewhere else Tuka Rask is playing out of his mind and he's kind of put to rest all these thoughts of hey he might not really be good anymore and out of the out of the west I'm kind of looking to see if Edmonton can go on a little bit of a run to kind of show hey we're still here we still have the best player in the world on our team so that's what I'm looking for and unfortunately that is all the time we have for this week we are back we are rolling and we will be back next week for Jackson Hile and Nick Lehman I was Matt Castatini thank you very much